Thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Reforge Roundtable, a weekly podcast where we break down all the latest gaming news. Usually it's me, 30 and so gaming, and Ginger Prime, but 30's not with us this week. He came back too early and his voice is not being very agreeable. We got a whole lot to talk about this week. Thanks for being here, Ginger. Good to see you. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I think we got a killer show uh, to shout it out before we get started, guys. Let's get to 100 likes on this reforged roundtable as a start uh but let's dive in man like this show is jam-packed we got a lot to break down it's it's hard for creature to even make thumbnails these days like there's so many big titles and so many big things happening that you know it's like what what on earth do we put on the thumbnail and i'm gonna give you guys a brief rundown before we dive in so what you could look forward to in the show uh we might actually try to start going back and doing timestamp it's a little bit tough to do that sometimes because i am so busy Uh, but we'll try to do that there's four big topics for this show first and foremost diablo 4 a lot of controversy around their monetization they released a pretty big blog post we covered that this morning if you want to see that vod an extensive discussion it's right here on reforge gaming but ginger and i are going to kick that topic back and forth because there's a lot there multiverses huge huge game growing seemingly leaps and bounds we're going to discuss the future of that title xbox versus sony continues to heat up with game pass getting blocked apparently games are getting blocked by sony and now we're seeing death stranding potentially landing on pc game pass as well as just a continued debate about call of duty and then delays continuing to happen even while i was out of town bummed to see a couple of the delays that have come through is everybody running from ragnarok that's one of the questions so let, let's kick off the show with Diablo 4. I gave everybody my thoughts this morning, so I'm going to spare them too much retread. We covered the monetization leak that happened, which was kind of concerning. It was like, my gosh, it looks like they're going to monetize the snot out of this game. And then Blizzard decided to try, I think, in my opinion, successfully, to put a lot of concerns to rest with a very extensive blog post. So that's what we covered this morning. So Diablo 4 has been featured on my channel twice this week, which I'm hopefully going to be able to play that game. I had to drop Immortal. I couldn't I, I couldn't yeah. play it and cover it and, and have a good conscience. What's been your thoughts just in the how this has transpired this week before we get into specific discussion points about this? What's been your thoughts about Diablo 4 monetization? I, from the start, I thought Diablo 4 itself was always going to struggle uh, because of what's come before it. Now, I believe Immortal struggles more because it's actually attached to the Diablo name and brand. You go and put, you know, Jimmy John, let's go kill monsters, you know, Immortal out there with the same monetization system, and I think you get less kickback, but then also probably make far less money. Immortal has made and is printing money for them, and so that in and of itself, I think, gives gamers pause because all of a sudden you're like oh wait a minute like we can we can keep making money hand over fist but the evolution of monetization what they announced completely right in my wheelhouse of what i've been expecting oh a season pass battle pass yeah like i just don't see you know games stepping away from that that model and you know if we're gonna be hopeful i'm an optimist at heart maybe to a fault maybe that helps lead into more expansions and a a Diablo game that evolves and continues to evolve for a long time. Diablo 3 was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Diablo 4, having played it, like I was like, this is great. Like, this feels great. Uh, And obviously what some of the systems and things are bringing back. But that all being said is that I see this argument being made by gamers and it confuses me because I think it's, 
it's focused so much on a starting point rather than what can change. And we got two major changes that could happen. One, we don't know what Microsoft's influence and Game Pass's influence will be on this game because that deal technically hasn't closed, nor would they have any influence on those decisions going on right now. Will that have an impact on the change? The second thing is that a game's launch doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like I see so many people put so much emphasis on, oh, you know, they're going to do this. It's like, yeah, it could get a lot worse. (laughs) It could always get, it it could get better, it could get worse. And so them doing this, it just kind of also feels a little bit like, you know, them poking at Immortal, like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not that. But all in all, like at the end of the day, it's about trying to get people excited, about people getting in the game. And I think any drama, especially around monetization, doesn't compare to what the hype will be and that people will want to play this game, especially if it launches in Game Pass, right? So at the end of the day, like I think every individual gamer's decisions financially are going to be up to them. And I always want to say, like, I support you, whether if you want to like give them money or if you don't, like Mm -hmm. it's not my job to tell you what to do ever with your money. Like you don't want that. I don't want that responsibility. Um, But I just saw like all of the stuff and it's just like, it feels so formulaic especially in terms of like content creators are mad that diablo immortal is gonna have extra monetization you know all right (laughs) gamers are mad that there's you know like okay like yeah they're gonna try to get any penny they can out of you and it's it's blizzard in name only right like i that's where i come back down to it it's like whenever i see those kind of arguments and people being frustrated it's like i just i'm just kind of like are you did you just wake out of cryo sleep? Like, like, are we missing a decade of your life? And if so, mm-hmm. where have you been? I would love to know about your journey. What do you think? That's that's my take. Well, it's interesting because we really highlighted the fact that like two different teams have built these games. Mm-hmm. And if you read the blog post that they put out about Diablo 4's monetization, about their seasons, about all of it, there to me is a very de- detectable amount of we are not Diablo Immortal. Like, they're not saying that, but I felt like there was at least one spot, too. I felt like they were even taking a jab at Diablo Immortal. They said something to the effect of, if somebody buys something from our store, it should be because they want to, not because they have to. They feel they have to. And they had have and, like, italicized. It was like, it was like they're taking a shot at Immortal because that's what people feel. They feel like they have yeah. to spend money just to get drops. The second sentence that followed it up said... We also don't want any unpleasant surprises. I'm like, what? you just established that your store is only cosmetic, so what unpleasant surprise are you referring to? Where again, I think they're taking a shot at Immortal because there were unpleasant surprises. You bought the crest, yeah. and then you realized that the maximum amount of crest you could put in a dungeon, it doesn't show you that until you put crests in. Joss Strife Hayes did a great job blasting yeah. this for what it is. And I thought... Th- they're probably not happy about Immortal. The people working on Diablo 4 are probably like, are you kidding me? Like, we've been working on this game all this time, and now everybody's going to be skeptical or negative or cynical about our game, especially mm-hmm. when that leak happened. That leak happened, I'll be honest, I was discouraged. I was like, here we go. I'm not going to be able to cover this game either, and I was really looking forward yeah. to it. And so the blog really put my mind at ease because it wasn't vague. They exhaustively, almost painstakingly, were like, no 
power. You can't buy power at all. It's not possible. Even yeah. uh, the free track on the battle pass is going to have like game enhancing boosts mm-hmm. and they're, they're making those free and you can't spend money to get them or get them earlier. Even if you spend money to like level up the battle pass faster, you have mm-hmm. to earn those because they don't want there to ever be a transaction of here's some money help me out with power and I thought this is exhaustive and it makes me feel pretty good about the title yeah so like how much of that though is also like if I went to put on a red beanie and I just said you know that blue beanie guy like <laughs> he effed up you know it, it's the same guy like it, it, yes two different physical teams all with their different goals but it's exactly what I said when Immortal came out I was like they now have the marketing PR ability to come in and say hey 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 we listened. Hey, hey, look, look at us. We've learned and it feels manufactured and I don't care. I'm going to play Diablo four. Like it's like, I've played it already. It's a really good game. Um, will it be a game that you just invest uh, all kinds of time and energy into that? That remains to be seen. Right. But like I, at the end of the day, it just, it feels also so PR, so played out. And yeah, like the devs, the individuals, they have that, but then we're still also staying talking about the same company. Like, Oh, we made a mess. Hey, look at us guys. We cleaned it up. Yeah. You know, it, it just kind of is like in that regards. But it, for me, I don't I don't really care. Like, just make a good game, listen, and, and, and release it. And Diablo 4 with the number, I think, helps protect it from some of that. A lot of people were feeling Immortal was going to creep in. I was like, they're not going to want to do that. They're charging it for entry to the club. There is an open box fee for this. And I think that box fee protects a lot of this mindset, right? Because when you start to look at the individual return by player, I forget the acronym, but I've like it's it's essentially where they look at you and you're like, okay, you're worth maybe $60 a year to us. Uh, in a free-to-play game, like the goal is, is to try to get $5 from as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. But if the box price is $60, they've already insured that stability so they then from a design perspective don't have to make these kind of decisions in order to have volume but then trying to get 99 cents or a dollar you know like a two dollars or whatever like and so like in order to do that you have to kind of come up with those kind of systems and the fact that it has a box price does give me a lot of hope but like you and i like we know games as a service games that's what they're kind of uh, stacking it up to be with future expansions like they could change they could change on a dime they could change a week after we launch they are also the same company that released call of duty and then like after all the reviews were like this is great release a cash shop that sucked right same company now we don't know what microsoft's going to do we don't know if that's going to be and 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 they'll get a couple like they'll get they they can microsoft can come in and be like yeah we got rid of those guys like we got rid of those people not it's and i'm be clear it's not the devs the people who are actively programming and working and pouring themselves in Mm -hmm. the game i'm sure that that immortal stuff all that pisses them off too they're gamers that's why they make less money working on on video games um, but then also being said, like there is there is a marketing PR thing that I uh, I kind of say I'm kind of sus about uh, personally. Yeah, I mean, I think Microsoft is going to want to stay really far away from any pay for power or pay to win because when this is this is a perfect game for Game Pass because you have the battle passes that you'll mm-hmm. need to pay for and all yep. the cosmetics and and the expansion. So really the only thing people won't have to pay for is the actual box price of the game if they decide to throw this on Game Pass. So once they're under Microsoft, I could see even Microsoft being like you can't do that. But I I, I do think Paul's making a good point. He's saying, look, there's they have said that Diablo 4 will never have pay to win, will never have pay for power. They're not leaving room for loopholes. 
and Diablo Immortal basically said you can't buy gear. That's all they mm-hmm. said. Now, yeah. I told people today, I was like, if they would have walked out and said, hey, just like Diablo Immortal, we're not going to let you buy gear, I would have been extremely worried. I would have thrown a flag on the play and like, here we go again. <laughs> You're giving yourself wiggle room and a loophole. They've yeah. made it very difficult on themselves because someone in chat saying, you know, just give it time. They'll find some loophole. I'm like, I don't know. I read that blog multiple times today. I don't see room for loopholes. I don't see room for them to be like, well, it's the first season. It's time to really show you what we're made of. <laughs> and they like suddenly throw a bunch of bad stuff in the game, especially if it's a forefront piece of game pass. I really don't think Microsoft's going to allow them to do that. They're like, no, you can't do that. You've, you've got a wonderful funnel of, of money because the revenue stream for this game is going to be nuts. It's going to be yeah. nuts. You don't need to sell power for people to be excited about this, which you get us, which, and my hope on the battle pass with any battle pass now, especially going forward is that it doesn't expire. Meaning I, if I own it, I can, I can come and grind on it on my own terms. Uh, and that's kind of my hope. And and with that, if that ends up being the case, then I'm going to be all for it. I think Diablo four from already, what I've experienced with hands on with the game, like it is something special. It's going to be something that ca- that gets people excited and I think the Battle Pass will offer a new, unique way to keep people engaged in coming back to that game time and time again between expansions. That's essentially the problem that they're trying to solve. Like, hey, what what what's the loop look like? And I'm I'm actually all for them putting this into that loop, seeing how it plays out and making adjustments. I'm not ever really worried about pay for power because if that ever becomes the case, well, I, I, I could take my money elsewhere. And I think that they know that there's that market. I think a lot of the, the fear comes into that the mobile market's designed that way because of also that it like it's really targeting a whole set, a whole other set of gamers where what ends up attracting people to it in the first place that maybe not used to that or more used to what they're going to get with Diablo 4 is the Diablo name. And thus, all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, this is exactly like all these mobile titles that are monetized this way. And then the answer was like, yeah, of course. Like, of course mm-hmm. it was. Like, this is exactly yep. what it is. Again, Diablo 4, I think that the gameplay is great. I think that the Battle Pass will be a really good way to help keep people engaged that want to stay engaged in the game and have content and financially support the game so that. And here's the here's the kicker. There was never, like, why didn't we, haven't we gotten more Diablo 3 expansions? financially it just like it doesn't make that much sense and you could say like oh yeah you could make all this money it's like there's all these calculations that go into it now people aren't streaming it people aren't playing it but the battle pass gets pr it gets marketing it gets people streaming it again it gets it actually would will drive a lot of the cycle so that people could talk about the battle pass you know talk about the next battle pass and it's going to be interesting to see what they what they do slot into it because you got to drive value to it but I'm not worried that they're going to put in power. I know that they said that they're not going to put in it. I didn't think they were even before they released the blog post. I just thought it was like, yeah, this is this is the perfect time to fearmonger, you know. But that's mm-hmm. that's maybe that's my, maybe that's just my the cynic uh, in me a little bit. I'm like, all right, all right whatever. Well, I'll see. I'll, I'll I'll judge it when I when we actually have concrete, actual information to go off of, rather than you know worry about it right now. Well, and the blog indicated, too, that the seasons will have new quest lines, new story, new new characters. So, like, even if you don't buy the battle pass and you just decide to make a seasonal character and play, there's going to be new stuff to do. You you know, the the battle pass premium track is literally just cosmetics. Like, you don't, like, 
there's nothing on there to make anybody feel like, oh, I need that. Like, yeah. it's just an enhancing, you know, it's way smart. to look cooler. It's smart. Gamers, especially if the game's good, are going to happily spend money on that. Like, they're going to happily spend money as long as we're all in the same playing field. The problem and the drama comes in is that they change the relationship. As mm-hmm. long as they don't change that relationship, I think Diablo 4 is going to be a really great game. I think that people are going to be really excited about it. I think Game Pass is going to take away that barrier for entry. And then all of a sudden you got the battle pass to help monetize, uh, monetize that game going forward. Like the the one thing, in the, and not to make this about a Halo thing, but the one thing that Halo really gets right is that you keep your battle pass. The thing they get wrong is everything connected to that. So if they can get battle pass progression and you know character progression nailed, I think they're gonna. I think that's gonna hopefully set a new model going forward. And I think that's where a lot of the drama comes into play and the friction around what a battle pass can be is that. We're in this weird state where we're getting rid of loot boxes, but we do want to find ways to monetize. But we we know the subscription model doesn't work. But you know, you know, like th- that's where these companies kind of run into the like, yeah, we're trying stuff out and seeing what people are willing to support, you know, and what makes you know, and how we also kind of make that you know a good uh, good relationship. Well, and and I think the broken trust with Diablo Immortal is likely going to be playing a factor here because that you know mm-hmm. the guy says you can't buy gear or whatever, and the funny thing. The GM, the general manager over the Diablo property, tweeted and said that Diablo 4 is built for the PC, the PC, PlayStation, and Xbox audience. He didn't say it's built for those platforms. He said it's built for the audience, which, and he was saying this in the vein of saying there's no pay to win, which to me was, again, interesting that they're almost saying, listen, Diablo Immortal was made for the mobile audience, so if y'all hate the pay to win... The game wasn't made for you. He's almost saying, like, that's what the mobile market is, bro. The mobile market's pay to win. So when we made a game for the mobile market, it had pay to win, which I don't think is a valid defense, but the transparency and the candor to be like, we're not doing pay to win. Why? Well, because we're building it for the PC and the console audience, which is essentially saying those audiences reject pay to win, which, again, to me, it's like, that's a pretty strong assurance that we don't have to worry about that. It's going to be cosmetic only. And I, I'll admit my bias. I want this game to be a game I can play and have a clean conscience. Like, I want to play it, cover it every yeah. every season, every blog post. It's fun to have a reliable game. So as a content creator and a Diablo fan, I've got a pretty strong bias to be, you know, a little a little positive right now, a little doe-eyed. Like, oh, yes, they're going to do everything, and it's going to be great. And there's that lingering thought of, well, they could sucker punch us in season two. You know, they could they could come in and like but change everything. On, on the content creator side, like you know, if they get this this right, like then the battle pass for you as a content creator gives you a roadmap of things to come and things to talk about and things to get excited about, to critique, to continue to refine, and to also you know again like it it gives you that aspect of it. So it's not like a one and done. Like all right, I played Diablo four and beat it and. This was fun. Thanks, guys. But it's like, oh, yeah, I beat it. And, oh, let's talk about, like, the things that they're confirming for Season 2. And then, you know, okay, what changes are they making from the lessons they learned in the Battle Pass? I'm all about that communication. I always want to encourage that. And when a company is actively listening, like, I think that should be rewarded. Are people hurt by Blizzard? Yes. I think it takes a lot more effort to kind of rebuild that trust, but it can be rebuilt. And the nostalgia factor with Diablo or another, like, any other game, like I think that's going to help uh, speed that process up. And then they also have Microsoft as a way to kind of say, like, 
Microsoft comes in and hey, here's the here's the new relationship, etc. So it can that could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. The only way we'll find out is when when the day comes. Yeah. Yeah. I um I'm excited for it. I'm confident. I don't think they'll I think after the broken trust and that element that's going on right now, I think they're going to be very gun shy about that. I think they're going to try to make tons of cash on the battle pass premium currency and skins and Mm -hmm. i'm pumped 150 dungeons procedurally generated always random i mean there's just a lot of potential here to just never really run out of content world boss fights just look fantastic i I just i'm i'm very very excited and just just to have another great game to play with my wife i've been dying for a good couch co-op grindy game for with yeah you know with uh cross play cross save cross you know like controller support pc all of that like yeah i think you're gonna see like a like a really good game and if it can last another you know 10 years and you can kind of really sink your teeth into this one uh, i think that 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 personally excites me yeah it personally excites me quite a lot yeah well the second uh second topic uh for us today is is multiverses and i I, i'll I'll say this okay before before, because i know you 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 love this game so i absolutely love this game I'm going to be the contrarian here and say, obviously, this has to do so much with me as a player, more than the quality of this game, okay? I do not like fighting games, and I don't like brawlers. And I thought, let me give this game a shot. And this game just has zero chill. We tried to do the co-op versus the bots, and this game doesn't care if it's your first time playing. I absolutely (laughs) got crapped on. I was like, I can't even beat the first, like fight like is is crazy but i think some of that's because i just don't play these games i don't really have the patience to get around some of the rough edges of difficulty i'm like i just wanted to button mash and kind of laugh and unlock characters with my kiddos because they saw bugs bunny and all the characters and they got really excited Mm -hmm. and uh thankfully i didn't spend any money in it because my my kids immediately tapped out it was too hard for them so Mm -hmm. but i am interested in the title because of everything that you're, you're you're wanting to talk about about you know this game kind of versus smash brothers and what we're seeing right so to catch everybody up to speed i like multiverses launched kind of as an open beta um you know just last month and they just kicked off season one within the title card updating it you know kind of almost in a way like it seems like they've really studied and understood what has driven Fortnite's success in terms of seasons and keeping the game fresh so next week morty is dropping into the game from rick and morty uh, rick is also confirmed as a character uh, they also, in this reveal, in the launch of season one, reveal that uh, like Black Adam is coming to the game, which seems like a really good way to kind of start to cross market with other things that are going on within movies and TV and things like that. So all of a sudden it's like, that's okay. Like, I'm going to make a note of that for the future. And Spike from Gremlins, the best Gremlins too, in this case. Like, I was like, this is wild. Like, just the potential roster that they have right now focusing heavily in terms of movies and shows and 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 you know like even like within the list of leaks and rumors like some of the some of the character announcements seem wild like i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy and they also have the ability to tap into video games uh i would say that smash brothers still has the best in terms of the brawler a plus roster right like you can't go wrong with you know the pokemon with mario with zelda right however outside of like if you're going to do roster to roster like multiverses is really competitive for what they offer batman superman wonder woman i've been a wonder woman main this whole time i just got her to 15 now i'm working on shaggy 
Uh, and then Scooby-Doo apparently was rumored to come. He got Velma. Like, it's like, this is just wacky and wild, right? And you're like, okay, this is kind of fun. But then all of a sudden you start to see like new, new characters, the rumors of a story mode coming to the game, rumors of dungeons, like having kind of a PVE element maybe coming to the game in the future. Uh, it just seems that it's a game mass with massive potential. And here's where the gamer in me and the discussion comes in is that, okay, natural comparisons to Smash Brothers. But what Multiverses has is what's called Roblox Netcode. It actually makes the fighting experience online feel like you're in couch co-op. Now, I've played Smash Brothers on, you know, couch co-op. Wonderful experience. Smash Brothers, you have a Switch, I have a Switch. We're in the same spot. Really good Wi-Fi. Non-playable. It doesn't work. It, 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 the lag on it, it's insane. Trying to play it online. Oh, my gosh. Well, welcome to the chaos. Like, it doesn't work. And this has also been kind of true from my perspective. I haven't played every fighter out there, but my background actually is in RPGs and fighters. I would compete. I love fighters. Uh, I got to the point where like, it was kind of like I was an old sensei in the, uh, you know, in the dojo. I only got up to fight when challenged by somebody who was going to get their butt kicked. Like I really dove into it, but I don't think online's worked and figured out the fighters. But now all of a sudden, Multiverses comes out and the, the fighting online experience is, is so solid. So I'm playing it on Steam Deck. Well, that all of a sudden, again, point versus, you know, what, what Switch's unique aspect, it's cross-play, cross-save. So I'm playing on Xbox, PC, Steam Deck. Like, I would play this on Switch, except for it's not on the Switch. And then I'm just like, what the hell? Like, is the Switch not capable? Or is this something like, you know, I don't know if there's something there. It doesn't really matter. But what this does have me excited for is maybe a future of fighters. Not that I don't, I think the fighter is going to come back to such heights, but that was such a big part of my childhood growing up, going to the arcades, uh, duking it out. And it's something that for me, I'm just, I'm just drawn to. And I'm just kind of interested because what they've developed and if they're successful, they have the online infrastructure, but then they also have the ability to continue to hit marketing trends, what's going on what's coming and with a with an insane roster of characters and an actually really good fighter like it's like it's it really is checking all my boxes personally so the question is is that is it the switch 2 that we see maybe is to step up or, or and compare or yeah. are we going to see smash kind of be like yeah that's great for when you want to play on on your toy all the real fighters have all moved into that pc console space and and switch just loses kind of one thing that it had like going for it for this whole time it's like it's had that as this this is where you want if you want that kind of game this is where you have to go and now all of a sudden it's like my kids aren't playing smash anymore we're all playing multiverses yeah i nintendo is interesting to me because they <laughs> they absolutely they absolutely crush it and they don't do some of the things that you would think are absolutely necessary for this generation and where we are. Like, they don't seem to care at all about making online playing with people good. Like, they don't care. Like, right. the friend number thing, they still do that. Like, what in the world? Like, I tried to do Mario Kart one night with the audience, and I had to type in a number longer than someone's social security number yeah. to get to become friends with somebody, which I'm like, what is this? What era am I in? <laughs> and then it's lagging and it doesn't work very well. I mean, I, I remember playing bowling. Uh, there's this, the switch sports game and my kids always wanted to play like the, the sword game and like the volleyball and the, the tennis. And it was always so laggy. They're like, 
they would lose because the game would lag so bad. Like the ball would like teleport and be behind them. And I was like, guys, just do bowling because that's just, it's just you. You're not actively playing against another person. So I, I don't know if we're ever going to see Nintendo prioritize this. They just don't seem to. Like even right. when they have games that have built in play online, like if you want to unlock items in Switch sports game, you have to play online. So they literally built a game under the Nintendo heading. It's Nintendo Switch Sports. And you have to play online to unlock all the goodies, which pushes you towards their subscription service, their Nintendo subscription, mm. their Nintendo Online, if you want to unlock and if you want to unlock more than one item a week. And then it's the online's terrible. Yeah. So I don't know if the, if, if if we're gonna see anything switch <laughs> we're gonna see anything switch with the switch too. Um I don't know if we're gonna <laughs> see that. I think they're gonna give us slightly oh. better graphics. I think they're going to hold out for Breath of the Wild 2 so they can do the multi-launch like they did with the Wii U and the Switch mm-hmm. where it'll, you know, Breath of the Wild 2 will land on Switch 1 and Switch 2. But online for Nintendo, it's like whenever you watch America's Got Talent and there's all oh, there's all the people doing what you expect. There's a singer, there's a magician. And then there's that crazy weird guy that comes out but he's so entertaining they vote him through. Like that's Nintendo. <laughs> like they come out yeah. and they do their own thing in their own way. But they're so good at the thing at some of the things that matter that they just they absolutely dominate. Like their their attach rates are crazy. Their saturation is nuts. The switch is just absolutely crazy with per unit movement, and I, they're like, we don't care about online, <laughs> like you know. Yeah. And so in that realm, multiverses probably doesn't want to go on the switch because right. of that. They don't want to go over yeah. there and have it run bad because it reflects poorly on their product. Exactly. But it, what it does is, it, again, it takes away, like, to the point where, like, I'm I'm such a, like, it's, I'm such a contradiction as a Nintendo fan. They upset me constantly, but yet I hand them money at every possible moment. You know, the OLED Switch comes out, boom, I'm there day one. At the same time, grumbling that, like, gosh, I wish their online didn't suck. I wish that there was, you know, that they would embrace, you know, a kind of a more player-focused uh, player first approach as opposed to console first approach like i wish that they would be more flexible imagine sw- imagine being able to play smash on xbox and, and pc and you know like how insane would that game be they're stuck in the past the future is really about you know and this is going to tie into a conversation we'll have you know more later about you know console wars but it's like they're stuck in that mindset and they they don't have to budge they've got enough money to do so Partly because I and many millions and millions of others, you know, oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks Nintendo for for throwing scraps to us. Here is our here is our our charitable donation uh, mm. to your cause. You know, so it's like I, I know I'm a part of the program pro, uh, uh, problem, but more and more, like one of the things I've often remarked is that more and more as other and passion comes together and chips away at some of the offerings, I don't need you know multiverses to be Smash Brothers. I don't need them to have that same level of roster but i'm glad i have the opportunity for that experience and not at a downgrade like it's actually an upgrade so that i hope that the next smash they're like oh let's let's make it better because i think competition is key and nintendo really hasn't had a lot of competition they've kind of gone in and carved out their own little area so that they wouldn't have to compete because they recognize especially in line of sony and microsoft and you know amazon and who knows what you know if google ever decides to turn on the the checkbook because Google could do some real damage if they were, you know, given a big enough checkbook to do so. Um, but they, like, they knew that that was going to be the case. But Multiverses is a level of competition, and I think that's going to benefit everybody. Um, I hope that we see Microsoft make a freaking Banjo-Kazooie game 
Because mm. I think that if all of a sudden you start to have a competition for Mario within that platforming space, then that would be good for, for everybody. You know, again, I, I think having those those options and also not sitting and wasting that IP as, as something that could, I think, be beneficial to everybody. Um, you know, so I think, uh, I really hope that people do uh, take time to check it out. The business model, I, it feels real fair, um, you know, when it comes down to it, because it's, you can, mm -hmm. they have a rotating cast of characters that are, you know, you know, oh, this week it's, you know, or this patch, it's going to be these characters that you can play for free. So you don't have to spend money if you don't want to, you know, or you can grind it out and you can go level up and unlock characters that way. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a game that I think everybody should check out, especially if they like Smash Brothers, especially if they like fighters. My hope is that we see kind of a resurgence within fighting because there's also integration and I would love to see more uh, a game integration on the YouTube side of things with YouTube streaming. Yeah, but there's integration with uh, like extensions on on Twitch, right? So it's like more and more that we can see, you know, uh, these games get connected into these communities. Uh, I think benefits the game and the community as a mm -hmm. whole. So I'm I'm, I'm absolutely positive uh, on uh, on multiverses right now. I'll let you know if that ever changes. But right now, they're uh, I'm I'm hope that other games, other fighter games, adopt the same netcode in bringing that in to make more uh, a better online experience for fighters. Yeah, Cult of the Lamb did something with purple. I'm just I I am increasingly disappointed with YouTube's sluggard approach to adapting the live streaming very just just not impressed but too slow too glitchy we've been having problems all week with, with just buffering and skipping at the same time every day they're doing something it seems some kind of a refresh or something and it's like those those integrations would be so great for, for games like Cult of Lamb or Multiverses when I look at Multiverses the, one of the things I notice is this roster growth is fast and it mm -hmm. seems limitless. Like, okay, it's only a yeah. matter of times. It's only a matter of time before I'm playing as John Wick or I'm playing as right. Darth Vader. So, being being in, in, you know being experienced in these types of games, is there a risk in the roster getting too big? What do you do if the roster does feel too big or too bloated? Do you start to kind of dilute the game's appeal, especially like you're investing in Wonder Woman, and are mm -hmm. they going to start to make it to where like? Well, the only way to merely make the new characters appealing is to make them maybe a little bit stronger or better or whatever. There's always that issue of balance. How do you approach or what, how do you hope they approach the roster in a game where one of this game's appeals is going to be that Fortnite effect where nothing is sacred? That's what Creature always says. He's like, nothing is yeah. sacred. Every time a skin comes out for Fortnite, he gets aggravated because it's like everything is in Fortnite. Captain America, Darth Vader, Iron Man, doesn't matter. So... Are they running the risk of making that one of the appeals of the game is like, yeah, every other month there's a new character, and what's the ceiling on that? Well, I think the ceiling actually is uncapped, you know, in terms of that. And what they do right now is they actually mark uh, characters as experimental. So, you know, that, hey, we're going to make some adjustments to that. So there is definitely a risk of a character coming in and just being OP as all get out. And that's going to be something that they're going to obviously a challenge they're going to have to face. Um, I don't mind a character being strong. I always think that like balance comes in the form of not in strength, but in weakness. Like, okay, they, yeah, they're strong in this area, but man, you just, you get them in the air and they're done, you know, or something like that. So it's like, oh yeah, Vader's strong on the ground, but he does not have any aerial defense or something like that, you know? Um, so when it comes down to that, I think though, when you start to kind of look at seasonal models, et cetera, you kind of have a competitive scene. And so what you could do, especially with the experimental tag, you could say as a part of this ranked season, competitive scene new characters aren't a part of that those are going to be more in the casual sandbox 
Y'all are going to play with them and let us know what you guys think about them. And as soon as we feel like we got the balance right, as soon as the communication between the devs and the and the community have had their say, then they can get promoted and be actually a part of this ranked or tournament. And those things seem to be coming as well. So I think they actually have already structured that. In fact, they, they were part of EVO. EVO, I think, was the one who said that, no, they added a new character and they're not approved for use in the competition for tournament, um, but they still are in the game. And so I think essentially with that structure, uh, with the fact that they can tag things as experimental, they could also then therefore tag that this is like this version and even future updates. Imagine being able to lock in saying, okay, our tournament is going to take place and we're going to lock in our roster and their mm -hmm. move set mm -hmm. so that uh, we can make changes to the sandbox back here that won't actually impact live and we can let you know hey by the way like once this tournament's done then the tournament's done and then we'll then they will get the updates to the characters themselves so but i think it's un un uncapped potential that does run the risk of obviously having a roster that is is so large and so i think the way that you kind of go about doing that is that as you have characters that are mirrored of other characters then you could it, they could end up being more of a skin rather than a whole new character like okay like this character really is a one you know like a sword and shield maiden okay, that, you know, let's put her and slaughter in with Wonder Woman, you know, as long as it fits. And then you can kind of say like what you want. So they, I mean, there, there's, there's a horizontal and there's also that vertical growth in terms of uh, the, the costumes, et cetera. And so it could be, it could end up being a huge cash cow because they could always sell you those, those skins, right? Oh, you've mm -hmm. unlocked the character, but you know, they, they already do have skins for sale. So they could have like endless, like vertical progression yeah. for skins and things like that for you to collect as well. So it's, I don't know I, if it's successful. I think it's going to be really exciting to see, um, but that we'll, we'll know more like, you know, I guess we hear after a couple of seasons to see how, how it feels. I think everything you said, you know, from the outside looking in with experience in, you know, shout casting and watching a lot of the, you know, competitive scenes in Fortnite and stuff. That's always the issue is mm -hmm. lock. Like when you say lock in a roster, lock in a moose set, I remember there would be tournaments in Fortnite and like the day before the tournament would go live, they would add like the boom box or the mechs and stuff and it would just completely demolish the meta and it was like, man, nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew how to play, which yeah. was, that was epic being <laughs> kind of ornery, you know, they were sort of taking advantage <laughs> of like, oh, the tournament's going to yeah. get a bunch of eyes on the game. Let's, let's throw something crazy in and get everybody buzzing and complaining. Uh, about the game <laughs> but so I think what you're saying would work really well I also think it's really cool that they will say this person's experimental that kind of uh, transparency I think is I think is pretty is pretty cool that they're yeah. they're saying look I mean, this thing might not even make it in now when you said the casual pool and the competitive pool is that something now that they're doing or you were just saying that's something they could do that's something they could do because they're also marking stages as experimental and if they're already setting up like characters and stages and things like that with like a tag like experimental from a programming perspective to tag it with other things um, is actually it would be very possible it means that they're thinking through this uh, and they're looking kind of at you know at the bigger vision not just the, the here and now not just at launch but what's launched plus one year, you know, what's, you know, plus two years. And if they can do that now, then I think it's going to help open it up for the future. And that's kind of what they're, what they're laying out with the seasons being, Hey, new stages, new characters are rolling out during this season. Uh, I see chat talking about how they would feel kind of disappointed if, you know, black Adam is just a Superman, you know, Superman skin. 
Um, we don't know. We don't know. Like it, that was a surprise announcement. It, it, he could be, but it'd also be cool if he have his own move set. If he have his his own personality and identity uh, within that, um, you know. So it's <laughs> right now. It's just for me. It just feels so fun to play, and I mm -hmm. know that fighters aren't for everybody. But for me, as somebody who's been a fan of fighters and just hasn't talked about them, haven't because like I play all my games online, and fighters felt like. I, I was always so confused. Like, why does a shooter feel so good? But then a fighter where it's just me versus you feels like I'm constantly lagging, you know? And I'm like, I, I couldn't understand it. Couldn't rect rectify it. And this actually stepping in the online world, feeling good. Cause I was hesitant to, to step in, but friends kept messaging me. They're like, you got to download this game. I was like, okay, but I, I'm expecting like lagtastic central, you know, wasn't that. I was like, oh, this is actually really fun. Yeah. Imagine that. A fighter that actually works on, on the internet. Is there anything right now in the game that you feel is sort of posing a problem? Um, you know, or, or is there is there any are there any balancing issues? Is there something that you feel like is annoying you? Because you like you said you've been, you know, primarily playing as Wonder Woman. Do you feel like there's any are there any of the characters that are creating that imbalance making it hard to play as who you want to play as or you know i haven't there... run into that yet i have okay. not actually run into that yet are there preferred characters i think one of the things you can you can go find online and people really loving tom and jerry right now um you know and it's like but when it comes down to it like you address the situation in hand so if you're playing like you just if you know your character i've always feel like the best fighters are where i'm not actually fighting wonder woman or tom and jerry i'm fighting you like i'm fighting you and that's just and you have this different move set so if i can start to learn you know like who i'm playing against then it ends up giving me that i think i end up getting that advantage over over a character like you it is about overcoming you know it is about responding and being able to like try to like under like read and predict telegraphs and things like that so are are there broken characters? I think yeah, LeBron was <laughs> came in pretty pretty strong. The fact that like LeBron James is in the game, like that is just ridiculous. Like I was like, okay, yeah. So he's coming in from the Toon Squad, from the uh, obviously the Bugs Bunny and you know you know movie. So right, I was like, right. That's just that just makes me excited because they could always add Mega Man. Yeah, even though a character is over also in Smash, I was like, they could mm -hmm. bring in video game characters. They could do like and. and the, the the head uh, of the of the game company and I forgive me I don't remember their name uh, stated like yeah there's no nobody's off limits like he will he will work with anybody so mm -hmm. who knows maybe we'll see them bring in Marvel stuff like I I don't know but that'd be freaking crazy it'd be wild so uh, honestly I'm all like I'm just all in like this is this is something that really came out I was hesitant to start and uh, the the inner the inner fighter in me is has been just absolutely just eating well essentially yeah. Yeah, well, you you always wonder if there's going to be like competing interests with hey, we don't want Marvel over there. Hey, we don't want that over there because you know Marvel and is and Disney are getting along really well with Fortnite. And in the vein of competing interests, there was a lot of stories coming out in the past week or so about you know Sony versus Xbox, Microsoft versus mm -hmm. Sony. And the first thing we discussed on my stream when I got back was Sony being accused of blocking games from coming to Game Pass, which I found to be not all that surprising given that a lot of the contracts with these games and a lot of these deals are either exclusivity or marketing deals. And <sighs> the one the one game that got thrown out was Resident Evil 8. Resident Evil Village was apparently 
blocked from being on Game Pass as part of some type of a contract with Sony. And then when we went and checked, it wasn't hard to see why, because Sony clearly had a marketing contract for the game. They were putting the trailers on their YouTube channel. They were using their branding to promote the game. They have their branding in the thumbnail. They have their branding in the beginning and the end of the trailer. And I thought, yeah. well, it stands to reason that if they're going to promote the game, and the, you know, they, one of the trailers had like three, three million views, they don't want yeah. that thing on Game Pass, because then that means they're inadvertently promoting their competitor. And we went round and round on this. What what did you think about hearing this? Was this like worrisome? Do you feel like this is a problem? You know, Sony's saying, "Hey, we don't want that game on Game Pass." Do, do you do you see this differently than me? I, I don't think there's a console war, but more than a service war. And I think that's the evolution. You know, like when you start to look at what Microsoft and Sony and how Sony's like evolution that's happened over the last two years in response. Like they like Sony got caught off guard. Like yes. You might like your PlayStation 5. That's great. I still can't find one. But Sony got caught off guard with We Believe in Generations to, oh, wait, um, yeah, how about we just, like, make games and, and let you play them? And now they're on, like, Spider-Man just came out on PC. Uh, Sony blocking something coming from Game Pass, uh, that seems like a business move that makes sense. Now, I don't think that's a good move overall for gamers if Microsoft wants to, wants to pay, but it, clearly Sony is paying for that. It's not a free thing. That's a contractual line item that has value and if sony wants to pay for that value then they then they're going to pay for that value um the question ends up being is that like is there like is that a a lockdown forever i doubt it i don't think that if you if you're going to have that lockdown forever you might as well buy it but sony already has games on game pass anyway in the first place i'm happy to see sony step up with their own offerings my only concern i've ever really had about game pass is that it gets so big so powerful that nobody can start to step into that space uh, mm-hmm. And so seeing Sony step up and actually be able to offer something to gamers, uh, to see them embrace more PC, more crossplay, cross progression uh, with their acquisition of Bungie and saying that they're not going to make changes. People are like, oh, Sony's going to lock that down. I was like, it doesn't make sense for them to do that. Like that's old school mindset. That's old school console wars. It's not about selling the console. The console should be should be an option for the player, not the barrier. And when you put too many barriers in front of players, it forgets the fact that there's all these barrierless games that are also of incredibly high quality like if there was no other way for you to play a game ever like yeah it makes sense but now it's like play wherever the hell you want like it's we're trying to make this easier because we realize the easier it is to get into these games the better so it doesn't concern me overall because Mm -hmm. again um you know gamers are going to make that choice i would you know like what would game pass have been a good thing or a bad thing for the game ultimately we really don't know if game pass is helping or hurting but we will know i think in 10 years in 10 years time we'll be able to look back and say hey was that <laughs> was that good for gaming overall for some people i think so for some you know games maybe not it you know might not be the right choice going forward but what what do you think about it because like my my my, my worldview on on console wars has, has actually for the longest time just been getting annoyed and rolling my eyes and deciding not to engage with it because it's like, ugh, I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah, I mean, Cujo's asking a question that a lot of people were asking, right? If if they're going to market Resident Evil and they don't want it to be on Game Pass or whatever, that, you know, why would they market it to begin with? Yeah. I, I think people need to remember that a lot of the times the way these games are treated, it's really beneficial for Microsoft or Sony to be the one marketing the game. Because then their name becomes synonymous and associated with the title. We're seeing that with Hogwarts Legacy. Hogwarts yeah. Legacy 
is the third most watched video on the PlayStation channel. Third most. The only videos that beat it are the PlayStation 5 announcement and the PlayStation 4 announcement. And right behind it, Spider-Man. So Hogwarts beat out Spider-Man, and the Spider-Man trailer's really old. The Hogwarts trailer's very new. Because why? Harry Potter is humongous. And humongous. Sony, Sony knows that, so Sony says, hey, let's. I, I, I want to market your game. We want to be a part of the marketing. They also have a trailer for Hogwarts that shows all the cool DualSense controller features, like your controller's going to grow purple if you're like Hufflepuff or whatever. And... They want to be a part of that. That's good for their platform. Big known titles like Resident Evil and Hogwarts. It's yeah. very lucrative for them to be synonymous with the title. Yeah, because they, they launched Destiny that same way. It was mm-hmm. you know it was like hey, and then Destiny had all that stuff that was unique to the PlayStation, which was bad. <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like yeah, that's that's that became synonymous. And then when Sony bought bought Bungie. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, you, the, all of the articles are like, Sony buys former Xbox studio, you know, like, oh, that, you know, because I think it, I think it draws attention. It gets people talking about it. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, I think, is like, even if the game doesn't do well, having the marketing to associate with that hype so that people are thinking, oh, yeah, where do I want to play that game? Mm-hmm. Hmm, my PCs might be a little slow. Maybe I can get a PS5 and that way I can get, you know, take advantage of, I'm assuming there's going to be other perks beyond just marketing, like play it first, play the beta, you know, things like that. Like it's, it could be end up, you know, free demo, you know, on PlayStation, you know, plus or something like that, you know, where it's like, it, it keeps people and keeps that, that excitement going because like, I don't get it. <laughs> like when it comes to Hogwarts, like I, I enjoyed the Harry Potter movies. Um, you know, like Maddie's starting to read the first book, you know, right now, but I'm just, you know, I'm not as invested into it because maybe I was just a little bit older. My brother was more into the Harry Potters growing up, but I watched the movies and liked them. I just, you know, I'm like, so I <laughs> more power to people who, who are excited for that. Yeah. The other way I looked at this was I do think every, it's kind of like, I don't want to get into politics, but it feels like politics to me because <laughs> I look at politics and I'm like, that guy has a red tie on and he's throwing rocks and mud and that guy over there has a blue tie on and he's throwing rocks and mud and both sides are saying your side's throwing rocks and mud it's like both sides are throwing rocks and mud and in the console war it totally feels that way it's like you're totally fine with microsoft spending 70 billion dollars buying up 25 percent of the global total gaming revenue like when they buy activision blizzard they're they're buying what amounts is like up like 25 percent of how much revenue is generated. Like, that's how much property they're buying. And you're fine with that. You don't care about that. You think it's going to be great. I had guys touting and saying, oh, it'll be so great when Call of Duty's only on Xbox, which I told them that would never happen. I'm like, their shareholders aren't going to let them do that. And Microsoft came out and said, it would be not profitable for us to do that because the, the, the title's everywhere and it makes billions. So... But that's what happens is like you're totally fine with your side doing it, buying up titles, blocking right. titles from being elsewhere. But when the other side does it, well, they're scummy. They're being hypocritical. And it's like, well, no, both sides do it. The only reason this conversation started was because Sony said Call of Duty is a problem if it's suddenly only available on one platform because it can't be replaced in the market. It's irreplaceable in the market. And Microsoft agrees and says, well, yeah, it wouldn't be profitable for us to do that. And then they get this little jab in, like, well, Sony's blocked games from being on Game Pass. They've hampered our ability to grow Game Pass. I'm like, 
how have they hampered your ability to grow Game Pass? You just dropped 70 billion on the one of the biggest publishers in existence, and you're going to own more property than probably any of the platforms own right now. How are they hindering your ability to grow Game Pass? <laughs> like, it just seems yeah. totally empty to me. Yeah, I think essentially the goal of it is that, you know, the thing that grows Game Pass is content. And the more content that you can offer, you know, the better. And that's that's not just new content. You know, that's like all kinds of games. Being able to pull it up and be like, hey, I want to play this today. You know, having access to like an insane library of games uh, is going to be, I think, what overall grows it. Obviously, new games, new hype is going to be that. Um, but uh, that's where just like what it comes down to it. I, I always want to go with the gamer first mentality over like platform first or even corporation first. And I see how people do that with your teams. It boggles my mind because I'm like, no, 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 like root for gamers. Give gamers the choice to play where they want to play. Uh, you know, I think that's that's what that's the world that I want. That's where I think like ultimately cross play, cross save is such a is such a gamer first mentality because it lets you say, all right, you know what? Y'all, y'all sandbox has gotten crazy. Y'all are nuts. I'm going to take my toys. I'm going to go. I'm going to go home, you know, and that's that's what that's what cross progression gives you. It gives you the ability to say like, oh, good, like I can take my save. And I can take it over here. And now I can, mm-hmm. you know, I have a little bit more freedom, a little more flexibility. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. If, if Microsoft starts locking down more and more IP, um, if they lock down Call of Duty, I think that's bad on them. I think uh, that's bad for them. And I'm not going to support it. I don't think that's I don't think that's good. I'd love to see Starfield come to PlayStation. I lo- like, sell the game, sell the copy. Like, the community r- behind the game, I think, is bigger. Now, if you want to do it as a timed exclusive, you know, you want to say Starfield comes to PlayStation 5 a year after it comes to Xbox? All right. Like, it's not a multiplayer game. I don't care. Um, but multiplayer games need people. You need community. And the walls that se- uh, that separate them are only going to drive them into Fortnite or Apex or whatever game doesn't have those walls. That's the, that's the thing I always see people forget. It's that mm-hmm. you don't don't build walls because there are people who don't have walls. And they have good games. So if you want to sit here and build a wall, guess what? No one's going to play your game and that's going to die. And you're going to lose money on that because everybody's going to be like, wait a minute. What What do you mean I need to go buy a $6,000 PC just to, so we can hang out tonight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about we go do the, how about we just go to this thing that we already both own and play that? Cause that's what I'll be. That's, I mean, that's what happens with my, my friend group. Hey, what are we playing tonight? What do we all own? Like, <laughs> what do we already have? Let's go play Titanfall tonight. Okay, sounds good. You know, low barrier of entry um, because you're not competing, you know, again, you know, you're not competing in a bubble anymore. Like the world is bigger than that. Yeah, Starfield coming to Sony feels like a no to me. Paul saying he thinks it will. I just don't know because I don't think it will, but I think it should. I think yeah. it would be good for for the game overall. Yeah, there were rumors it was going to be a PS5 timed exclusive. So, <laughs> it'll probably it would probably it would probably run great on PS5. They were probably optimizing it for PS5 and now they're having a hard time trying to get it run on that calculator called an S. Um people hate when I dig on the S. So I'm just, I'm turning the heat up. Uh, <laughs> I just can't see Microsoft doing that because Starfield's going to be, in my opinion, really, really one of the central IPs of their platform. I think they're really wanting that that title to be part of their the, the Game Pass identity is going to be Starfield. And then, obviously, all these Blizzard Activision titles that could potentially start landing on Game Pass. 
I, I think the difference with Blizzard Activision titles is they'll be everywhere, but you can you know play them on Game Pass. Like Diablo will be a perfect fit. Call of Duty is a perfect fit. Like these are all perfect fits for Game Pass. But I just, I mean, I feel like Starfield and the Elder Scrolls. I just think those are different. I don't think they want those elsewhere. I think those they want those to be like platform representatives, as opposed to just more juice for Game Pass. However, however, the Blizzard Activision deal might change their mind. Because if they start kicking these games onto Game Pass, and mm-hmm. they're they're perfect because they're they're getting those microtransactions, and then they see the money they're making on other platforms as well, like you got to buy yeah. Call of Duty on Sony, you got to buy Diablo on Sony. Well, buddy, no. they're they're gonna look at that and say, why are we doing this? Starfield doesn't need to only be over here. Like we can make right. money in both places. It juices Game Pass, and we get sales elsewhere like i i honestly wonder if the blizzard activision deal is going to change that approach a little bit well and i've often wondered uh in a, I, my personal hope is that the platform is game pass not the xbox like the platform that microsoft has is game pass and so why would you limit that you know and how people access it right and that's a part of the big push to cloud right so even if they don't ever come to Sony. Keep going. Sony I'll be back. Is, One second. Okay. Keep, just vamp. Yeah, I'll be I right can, back. I'll vamp. Someone's at Welcome, the door. guys. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, it's after dark time, and I'm going to be uh, your host for a little bit. Boom, baby. All right. No, after... um, <laughs> I love myself sometimes. <laughs> Gotta laugh. The uh, With Game Pass, like if it's a platform, I could ultimately see. I could ultimately see with cloud being a driving factor, all you would have to work... Like, all Sony would have to do is say, like, yeah, well, let's we'll let cloud on on board. Like you, you could stream those games. And if Sony could step up and offer cloud as an option, uh, that's gonna be a, something, you know, that would be beneficial. You don't have to have it as native. Now I would prefer native over over cloud streaming, hands down, but that's gonna be what it is. Uh, chat saying, uh, is that your Final Fantasy 14 raid voice? I, I don't raid in 14 right now. I hope that will change. Um, but I <laughs> mainly just level up the jobs. Uh, and more and we'll have to wait and see i plan on i plan on uh doing some more uh, stuff in that soon uh you missed it i was uh, I, I i went to the dark side uh oh. with them with them like anyway so the summer out for you that with it all sony would have to do is let cloud streaming work on their platform like xbox lets it work on its platform mm-hmm. so that you don't even have to bring starfield native if you have game pass you just stream it and you can play on your PlayStation. It's not a big that big of a deal. Um, but I would still love to see. Again, I, I I look at it as the platform is Game Pass. The platform will end up being PlayStation Plus. Uh, and I start to think about what do you like when we're talking about ten years from now, twenty years from now. Like, are we still like in this you know the same mud you know throwing rocks at each other over what box of plastic we decided to put in front of our televisions when most of us probably own all of the plastic boxes you know like you, you might have a preference on i enjoy playing over here but i don't remember like a, a decade outside of right now like this is the only time where i haven't been able to get a playstation um i don't remember a decade where i didn't have nintendo sony and xbox under yeah. under the tv you know it's like all right and uh you know now i'm kind of just rooting for a playstation 5 slim edition because that, that thing is a monster uh, you oh you can't get you still haven't been able to get a ps5 uh, and then every time I've had an opportunity where somebody's like, hey, we might be able to get a PS5. I actually haven't had the money because I like this year financially has been a roller coaster. So maybe this year smooths out. And uh, and ideally, if the if Final Fantasy 16 comes only to PS5, 
I'm going to have to like, that's where I'm going to get really aggressive in terms of like staying up late, tracking things and, and, and hunting things down. But I ended up putting most of my, uh, my money into the, into the steam deck. Cause that's where I was like, well, I can't find one. So I spent that. And then somebody messaged me like, Hey, I got a PS5. You want it? I'm like, I can't pay you. <laughs> I just spent that money. Talk will- to me in, 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 in six months when I save up the money again. I will tell you why I ran at the door then. My wife my wife texts me. She's like, UPS is at the door because we have a ring and it like hit her phone. Yeah. And uh, she's, it was UPS required signature. I got <laughs> I got another PS5. I wanted a second Ooh. one. So, <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're not taking it from me. Yeah. You're not taking it. Like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, great. That's awesome, Moon. Dude, Moon. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of like you know games going to the consoles and stuff like Starfield and Cloud and all that, I just don't know. I, I can see I can see both companies their strategy, their trajectory, like what they're trying to do, and I I really do think that the the way the way that they're they're approaching it doesn't square with things suddenly landing on the competitor, like. I just I see what Sony's doing so clearly. It's like they launch a first party title. I think like a year later it'll hit their subscription service. Six mm-hmm. months after that it's gonna hit PC, just maximizing yeah. the profit. I don't see anything in that that would let that game land on Microsoft if it's first party. Same for Microsoft. I just I I don't know if their current strategy right. jives Here's- with that. Here and here there's a difference though in terms of these kind of games, because Sony is really known for its narrative single player focused games but halo not on playstation hurts halo halo you know be, being that again you go to shooters like call of duty call of duty going to be everywhere why do you, people are going to default to that people are going to go into that direction they're going to play that because they can and because it supports crossplay and except you know like all of a sudden that's that barrier for entry that just mm-hmm. becomes easier and so the more barriers you put on your multiplayer game you're hurting that game in that community you know, especially if you want it to be bigger, right? Because now we factor in streaming. We factor in, you know, hey, we're all going to get together and play this game. And all of a sudden you can't, like, that's what that's what Google wanted to do with Stadia. That's what Twitch wants to do with Luma. They want you to just click a button and all of a sudden you're playing, you're jumping into the game world, removing as many barriers. Now, I still think we're a decade away from that becoming more, you know, more practical reality, but, you know, who knows? And along those lines, that's what I'm kind of saying. So there is a clear difference between Sony and Microsoft's offerings, Microsoft stepping into that narrative, like showcase kind of presentation. However, like if I think about like what's better for the game and for the monetization and the profitability, like, you know, why not Why not evolve into a timed exclusive model? Sure. Mm. You know what? You, yeah, if you want to play this for the next two years, it's on PlayStation. After that, we're going to get our bag. You know, we're, we're, we're going to bring how much money does, has Spider-Man made on PC right now? Like how much how much extra revenue has Sony generated behind that game in that studio? So that like when we look down the down the road, they're like, holy crap. Yeah, let's keep that going. Turns out a lot of people might not have had our consoles. You know, maybe it also serves as a great advertisement for their consoles. Right. Then you start to think about, oh, man, I really enjoyed playing Spider-Man. I want to be there on day one for the next one. You know, yeah, that's that, that's what I wonder. Like again, you know, they're they're companies. They're going to do what's in their best interest. But when it comes to a multiplayer game, I, I see people just kind of like lock those into a box, and I'm like, that that doesn't make sense to me like anymore. Well, 
the there's another barrier though standing in the way of that and that's the fact that like spider-man had to be ported by nixus to pc which means sony would have to invest bandwidth and capital to port these games to xbox and that would have to be justifiable with respect to profit good for the brand like you're saying maybe it just expands the play you know the spider-man fans like oh my gosh spider-man was so good i've got to get Mm -hmm. my hands on uh, on a ps5 and as you're saying like you're just maximizing profit right all those people on xbox who can't buy that game but i wonder if they would just see that as a devaluation of their platform like knowing when you when you see that sony animation and you see Jin from ghost of tsushima and you see horizon zero dawn aloy you see kratos you see spider-man you're like that's sony's platform they lose some of that i think and i also think kicking it to pc makes sense because the pc market is set to grow at an insane rate over the next five years xbox no shade, no shade, but I just don't see Xbox having enough market saturation to justify that, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, just, don't, they, don't, I, they don't saturate enough of the market for Sony yeah. to be doing that. Well, and that's why I say just release it on your cloud platform and, and not have to worry about recoding it or supporting it whatsoever. Um, and that's where it's like same thing with like all Sony would have to do is allow, uh, you know, uh, xCloud on their platform and, and then they're done. And Microsoft's already done that because they support GeForce now in stadia and so all of a sudden you get you know playstation the playstation cloud etc matt you know like they have playstation now uh you know and is that now that's all kind of getting bundled into it and so like i don't think it's actually as difficult as from a coding and a business strategy as opposed to like be sub to us and you're still in our on our platform our platform is also shifted to the cloud to make it accessible so we're not sitting here recoding it for your console we're just not saying xbox can't play on the cloud you know, like we're we're not restricting your console's access to this and vice versa. And then if you want a premiere experience, you want that high fidelity experience, we've got a console for you. You know, like that's that's the envision that I see. That's the model that I see. It's not about doing extra work. It's actually just about saying, yeah, sub to us. You're paying your $15 a month. You know, all right. I don't care if you're accessing it from your from your phone. Thanks for being a part of this, you know. Yeah, well, and it's like that TV. I, I, I remember telling the audience, it's like, it's like I, I think you're going to see Game Pass on TVs. Like, you just need an Ethernet cord, and yeah, everything's there. And then, like two weeks later, a TV came out, and there it was. It was like, there it is. That that's Microsoft's strategy is smart, man. It's all about that ecosystem. It's not about hardware purchases. It's not, you know, they want to be, you know, this this software, you know, software oriented mind about how they've how they've approached everything and it's to me to me i think it's clear both have very very different strategies and i think microsoft will start paying out big if they can get the right titles on game pass that are Mm -hmm. i think heavily monetized because there's already a report coming out from some cooking simulator game got six hundred thousand dollars or something to be on game pass and they were like it directly affected the revenue like they made 600,000 to be on game pass but that's not very much in the way of sales so mm-hmm. it's just i i uh i actually look forward to where this goes because i have all the systems and i'm like both systems just keep giving me more stuff like <laughs> i i played a game trial the other day was able to record a video 
on my PlayStation. That's awesome. I didn't have to buy the game. I just tried it out. Ah, it's great for a video. Game Pass just continues to give me great games. I'm like, this is great, man. Just keep doing this. Like, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take it. You know, the only one lagging behind in my book is the Switch. I, I don't like getting games on the Switch unless I have to because it's just such a weak system. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's just so slow at everything that it does. But it has really great fun games that are irreplaceable. So it's like, I, you know, I, I gotta have them. I gotta have them all. You know, yeah. I'm treating, I'm treating the consoles like Pokemon. It's like I want them all. I gotta have them all. Yeah. And if if we're trying to have it all. It's tough to do that this quarter, this final quarter of the year, as so many games got delayed. And the one that I was the least happy to be right about, I like being right. Being right feels good. <laughs> but when Hogwarts got delayed, I was like, daggone it. I was really hoping I was wrong about that one. It got bumped to February. A lot of different theories as to why that is. And then Tim February Gettys. just is getting stacked again from yeah. previous. But go ahead. But go ahead. Yeah, that, that's 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 another bullet point on the discussion is what in the world's going on in February. But Tim Geddes says on a podcast that he was shocked to hear from developers speak very candidly and say, we're avoiding Ragnarok. We want to give mm-hmm. Ragnarok its space. Let's not forget about Call of Duty, by the way. Call of Duty's probably the bigger dog in the fight, truly. I mean, as far as how many titles are going to sell and how big their footprint is. Call of Duty lands late October and then Warzone's rumored to come out mid-November. So between COD and Ragnarok, nobody wants to come out fourth quarter now, except for like Callisto Protocol, and then High on Life bumped themselves to December, which might pay out really well for them since December cleared up a teeny bit with Hog, teeny bit, a lot with Hogwarts leaving it. Mm-hmm. What what do you make of this? Do you think that there's some legit? Do you think there's legitimacy to this that companies are actually avoiding Ragnarok? Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. We've seen it happen time and time again. I think the first sign was for, for spoken. Uh, once it started to seem that Ragnarok was going to land, Forspoken was like, we're delaying for strategic reasons and not because it needs more time. And uh, when it comes down to that, I think the only delay that will cause any kind of drama would be Ragnarok. If Ragnarok does not make its launch, I think that's going to be the only thing that I think players, probably rightfully so, would be upset about. Um, and also then game publishers, because like we've seen actually it happen. We've seen games in the past delay out of a window for other bigger games and then those bigger games get delayed right back into the same window for the games that got delayed uh to you know that end up hitting in that that same window and it gets kind of hard because you don't want to keep having this kind of you know delayed chicken you know kind of game we kind of saw that happen with playstation 5 and xbox with trying to like see who would release the price their price point first because no one wanted to come out with their price number first so they could come back and change it if they needed to um but when it comes down to it no like it doesn't surprise me i think it's actually probably the right call my only concern is that we end up having a february like we had this last february that was so jam-packed with like high quality games massive big games big time sinking games that the rest of the year by comparison has felt like a little bit of sparse felt a little bit lean and you kind of go man it'd be really great if they spread this out just a little bit better but no like them moving moving it whether it's because of Ragnarok or not I don't think anybody wants to go toe to toe against that game against the call what's coming out in Call of Duty and we saw the same kind of thing happen once before where we wished they delayed it and that would be Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 got massacred because of the hubris of the publisher they should have if they pushed it six months it would I, I think people I think more people would have played Titanfall 2 absolutely cr- incredible but no way even with its pedigree and how it's even still revered today 
was it able to ever going to stand up against the, the onslaught that it was slotted right into like it was it was put it was put there to die and uh and then the fact that it didn't and the fact that it's still maintained and people are still hopeful for future titanfall games uh you know is is incredible yeah it's it stands to reason that when a title has been you know this long awaited and we're coming out of a drought that some some companies like it just isn't worth it everybody's just chomping at the bit there's also i think the the fact that december is probably going to be a big month for console resaturation because both Siri, both xbox and microsoft i'm sorry both xbox and sony are going to want to get a bunch of consoles in circulation for the holidays which means people are going to be really tight with their budgets because if they're buying like call of duty in october and then they buy ragnarok in november and then they're spending money in Warzone because it comes out in november and they're getting a battle pass and then december rolls around and they're trying to buy an xbox series x they're trying to buy a ps5 it makes sense that a lot of games are probably thinking it just isn't worth it we're, we're gonna get killed here i actually think since sony was handling the marketing of hogwarts that they probably had something to do with it they probably said something to the effect of like hey you guys should head to February because we're going to repopulate the market with PS5s. We got we got Ragnarok. We're going to be doing some Ragnarok combo units and those are going to be very very high in demand. It's going to be tough for you guys to, you know, to be sharing the stage. Now, now Hogwarts being Harry Potter isn't necessarily scared of Ragnarok, but it's probably just going to be a cleaner runway if they're all by themselves. Like everybody gets it out of their systems at Christmas and spends all that money. January, everybody kind of tightens up again, and then mm. February is going to hit. The question is: Is February the new December? Like everything's in February again, just like this year. Oh, yeah. Is that? Are we going to see a rhythm change in launch, or is this hopefully the last year this happens? It is if it's profitable, then I think they'll continue to see that same kind of rhythm change. That if you aren't able to, if you aren't able to make you know this window then february is the next possible time and that gives the also people the uh, you know like the time to take off for holidays and be rested etc because you're not gonna like the closer you get to christmas like there's the hr issues people are taking vacation people are trying to spend time with family just like you and i you know so it's like they're you know these aren't you know these aren't robots who are trying to build our games so uh whenever you see that it's going to be pushing you know past the the, the first of december then it's like moving it into there. And as long as gamers are opening up their wallets and supporting it, I don't actually see a problem. My only wish is that sometimes they'd say, let's not launch in, Fe- let's not launch in February. That's, that's Christmas number two. Let's, let's maybe push for March or April or May or, you know, something like that and be, and be ready for the summer or something uh, along those lines. Cause I don't know how y'all felt about this summer, but I, I felt like there was kind of a, you know, a lack of like a lot of really big games, a lot of really big announcements, um, you know, within the short term, but Again, my, my my wheelhouse is usually focusing in on RPGs. Where do you think Diablo lands then? Because according to that Microsoft presser, everything shown was landing in the next 12 months, which means that the very latest would be June. Diablo 4 will be landing in June. I, I'm, I'm obviously thinking, man, I'd love to see it land first quarter. I love Diablo. You love RPGs. Do you think even as big as it is, it's going to want to avoid a bloated month and kick it to the summer, or are they going to try and land yeah. in that first quarter? If it's ready, I say I think they're going to go. I think if it's ready, they're going to they're going to launch that uh, whenever whenever that's ready. I don't think I don't think Diablo has to worry about getting out of the way of anything else. 
Like, I think there's going to be enough excitement and its model and the fact that it should be inviting people back in. Uh, I think you could end up seeing how, you know, go however long it needs. But I, I do believe they're going to make sure that it's ready. Like, one of the things they want to avoid is, hey, you know, we got bought from Microsoft, Diablo came out, and nobody can play it, you know? Like, they want, I, I think more than anything else, what they're going to want to do is also have Diablo act as another advertisement for, you know, for, uh, not Amazon, <laughs> for, for uh, Azure uh, cloud services, like for their, for their backbone and platform. And so if they can come out and actually like, look, we, we launched Diablo, it's under the Microsoft banner, Game Pass, smooth launch. Uh, I don't remember, like if y'all remember Diablo 3's launch, not a smooth launch. Right. Um, you know, and so it's like more, the more games that can come out and have the servers scale to the games to offer that kind of smooth launch, that, that's more of an advertisement for game developers to, to partner with Microsoft than anything else. So if they're ready, I think they go. But honestly, I think uh, if they come out in June, that would be wild. That would be great. You then have the summer, you know, you have time off of, you know, like a lot of, you know, people time off of school that they have plenty of time to grind or stream or, or cover the game. It could be the fun. It could be a fun sum, a summer of Diablo, you know, but mm. no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Diablo is, is a, is indie enough to have to sit here and try to strategically delay uh, outside of like techno a technical delay and, and needing more polish. Yeah, with everything that's happened with Blizzard Activision in that title, you know, I I would love to see a surprise launch. Like all of a sudden, they mm. surprise us and land in December because they're like, well, hey, Harry Potter's out of the way. Callisto Protocol's Boom. really early in the month. Yeah, and uh, high on life. I mean, who cares about them? They're they're teeny tiny. Let's get that Christmas money you know that 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 surprise diablo launch now they did say in their blog though that all of their cosmetics are going to be rooted in the fan in the in the fantasy so like this there's not going to be like santa hats in this in their cosmetic store like some games do um and i i i i thought that was i thought that was actually good to hear now, a kind of off script off subject since this is kind of one of the games that you're into and you're kind of still in that world I got an email from New World. They're going to be at Gamescom. Yeah. Where, where do you where do you think this game is headed? What are they What are they doing? Is it just going to be events, 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 events? Periodically, a new weapon, new area, or do you think they've got? Do, do they have a? Do they have a big drop in their pocket somewhere? Uh, they say they do. They say that like, and it's not the Brimstone Sands. They say that once the big fall drop, which based off of. Uh, information we we got yesterday. I haven't even covered it. I haven't had time. Um, that it looks like uh, the big update probably will happen in October. Brimstone probably going to be the October update. They're going to really focus in on kind of the next updates, the bigger updates, kind of for the month. Uh, really focusing in on just kind of making sure the bugs have been you know worked on and and all that, and then essentially big content. Make sure that it's ready uh, because especially with that with that update with new weapon, new you know you're going to get a lot more attention. Like you go look at the Steam chart numbers and you know, just as the as the metric. Yeah, July, big content update. Guess what? People are interested, people are checking it out. You get m- way more traffic. Hey, should I come and check out the game or should I wait for the next update? Right. So uh they stay just tease that there's bigger things. Now, the question is, is that do we believe Amazon in this regard? Personally speaking, based off of all the movement that Amazon's doing, yeah, they've got they're in on gaming. Like in so much so that it's like when people say that they're not, I think when somebody says that Amazon's not in on gaming, I say you're not paying attention. You're mm-hmm. not paying attention. They're talking about publishing this uh, new MMO called Throne of Liberty. They're building their own other MMO as well. I don't know why they're all in on this MMO thing. 
Like if anybody was coming to me for financial advice, it would be like, let's not invest in an MMO. Let's put it in a growth stock mutual fund. You're like, what are you doing with your money, man? Like MMOs are so risky. Right. But then Amazon's like seemingly like they've got they've got New World, they've got Lost Ark, they might have thrown a Liberty. Uh, and that's a new, that's a, that's a, like an Unreal Engine 5 MMO, or at least Unreal Engine 4, not like in the isometric thing. So it's another like big, could be potentially big, but also Korean. So there's going to be some pay to win concerns there. Um, and then essentially I start to wonder about what else that they're, they're talking about. And they're really striving for this kind of, uh, this kind of experience and this kind of future. So uh, I think they've got big things. Will they deliver on those things? I, who knows? Like, I honestly, in talking with the, the devs, the fact that they promoted my charity stream, uh, we raised almost uh, 20, we raised like a little over 2,300 for St. Jude's uh, fishing in New World. Like it was mm -hmm. just like, it was wild. And the devs got on board with that. Like I wasn't asking them to get on board. They said, hey, how can we help promote this? This is really cool. And I said, well, here's what I'm doing. And then, then they went and put it on the front page of their, of their thing which shows up in the game as well. So a lot of a lot of excitement and we did some good stuff. I honestly think that they have something special because when it comes down to it, right? If New World was just a clone of WoW, oh man, I would have written this game off a long time ago as probably people would have. It would have had a natural translation, but it didn't do anything different. New World does some things that are different. And I think that's important for the genre. Um, so the question though is, is that uh, will they go with an expansion model I think that's the smartest play from a PR marketing perspective, because let's say they announce an expansion. What's your, what do you do? New World, let's say in uh, right. in October, they announce an expansion. What runs through your head, both as a gamer and a content creator? Well, as a gamer, I would be excited to, ha to be back in that world. It's so pleasant. There's, mm -hmm. there's a few games that I talk about. They're just so pleasant to be in. No Man's Sky, Sea of Thieves, and New World. And they all share a similar problem in that if I spend time away from them, it's kind of difficult to get back in to those games. And so as a gamer, I'd be thinking, oh, wow, that sounds awesome. But how on earth am I going to be oriented to, to, to get in, like to, to get back in into the game? Yeah. As a content creator, I pretty much have said to my audience that Amazon-owned games just don't work on YouTube because they funnel all the live viewership to Twitch. And I can't fault them for that. I completely understand why they're doing that. No Man's Sky did something similar recently. They funneled all the viewership to Twitch because they were doing drops for the latest expedition and then Lost Ark. And mm -hmm. so sadly, when a game does that, like you're basically making the decision for me. I can cover it and do a little show about it and discuss it and maybe play it once and kind of show off the new stuff, but I can't commit to it in any sense of a long-term way because you've basically told everybody to go watch over there. Like, Lost Ark had been out for, I think, two, maybe three days. It had less than a 1,000 people watching it on YouTube and then had, I don't know, 100,000 watching over there because everybody wants yeah. those those drops. And so, well, yes, but also that's, I would say, outside of Amazon, that's also on YouTube. YouTube doesn't offer that sure. system yet, right? So it's like, I'm with you because outside of you, though, and the fact that you aren't on Twitch, for obviously, and I would say rightful reasons. You know, we've we've talked about that. We don't need to hash it again. But the fact that other games also don't offer like that as well. Like I would be like, come on, YouTube, step the f up and give yeah. at least because at some point, because then all of a sudden there's a real challenge, right? Because all of a sudden, if then they lock those drops only to their platform, 
I get it. But imagine then again, the third parties, like everybody's like, we got drops. Yeah. And they're integrated into YouTube and mm -hmm. into Twitch. We're good to go, but go ahead. I, I didn't mean to jump in, but I feel you, but I also feel that's a platform thing. The, they're only there there. Cause that's only, yep. that's the only place they exist. Nobody else else is doing that yet. Yeah, YouTube has to step into that because essentially what they're doing is is they're just allowing one platform to get to eat and nobody else does. And yeah. the, the decision, at, at that point, the decision's made for me. It's like, that has nothing to do with me. I can't create viewers out of thin air. They're all over there. Fine, cool. I primarily am a talk show host anyway, so gameplay being center stage on my channel's not going to happen in the near future. So by the time you know YouTube starts to get drops... I'll have a channel big enough to do gameplay for lengthy periods of time. You know, it'll it'll line up perfectly. So, th I actually was going to talk about this because I recently got back into Sea of Thieves because they had this adventure. Mm -hmm. And so I was obviously debating with that community about things I'd like to see them do with that game. And the funny thing about it was there was all these things that they added to the game and all these things they did to the game that I was completely clueless about because if I'm not reading the blogs if I'm not paying attention if I'm mm -hmm. not tuned in I'm going to have no clue and when I came back to the game they didn't tell me about any of it there was no splash screen there was no hey even like a little like exclamation point chase you know how they do that in the game you come back and there's like seven exclamation mm -hmm. points and you're like oh I gotta get rid of them and so I'm going to run over to this guy and talk to him and I'm going to run yeah. over to this guy and I'm going to talk to him and even something like that. So when I look at New World, I think the same thing. Like you've got, we've talked about this before, you have got to think about new and returning player acquisition. Because I don't know what in the frick's going on. I don't know what you've yeah. changed. I don't know where to go. I don't know what's new. I'm going to feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. I'm going to leave. Even, yeah. and, the, and the game, sadly enough, could be perfect for me, and I won't know it. So they've got to think this through. These live service games, they're figuring out the runway. They're figuring out the content rhythm. The next thing they have to figure out is the is the back door. Like, how do people get back into the game or get in for the first time and not feel like they're in a foreign land that doesn't make sense? Like, that's, I think, the next stage of learning and adaptation for live service games is the reacquisition process is incredibly painful. So what I hear in that from you, especially outside of the, the Twitch drops perspective and long-term progress is that they announce an expansion and all of a sudden you're covering it. You're talking about this issue specifically that relates to you that people will relate to. Like that is such a relatable problem. And then all of a sudden though, New World is more in everybody's face, both in the YouTube, in the clips, over on Twitch, etc. What that generates in my mind, just because I've seen this happen time and time again with every MMO and expansion, it generates a whole new hype cycle, mm -hmm. uh, the potential, the future. Now, I think that they do have to capitalize and deliver and have a really good experience so that when people step back in, so I say don't announce your expansion if they go that model. They could always just go the No Man's Sky model and just say, yeah, every every you know quarter, we're just releasing a bunch of content, game's getting better bunch of content games getting better and all of a sudden people look back and say oh shoot it's been five years what's going on with this game they do have to solve that problem but what the what the expansion announcement alone does is it automatically invites people into a game they can play right now and a game maybe they haven't followed along with but then it also invites the the question of what's to come what's to cover there's lots of topics 
and that generates that that hype cycle. I think MMOs and games as a service games live in a three season cycle: hype, grind, and then bitch. And as long as you can nail that, and you can then follow that bitching cycle up with a another hype cycle, then all of a sudden that that you know being frustrated turns into being hopeful, and then all of a sudden that generates that content cycle that is essentially like the lifeblood of any content creator overall, especially if you have a passion for the game, which you say like, it's, it's a beautiful game. Like it, it does capture you. There's like, there is a magic there. Problem is, is that there's a lot of refinement that they absolutely need to do. And so when it comes down to it, that's what I think is in their back pocket. And I think that what they do is that when they announce the expansion, once, once they feel the core game has that invitation, so you're not, you're not going to step back into it and, get slapped in the face with like an annoying bug maybe the same bug that like caused you to leave six months ago that they haven't yet fixed or something like that i don't feel like bugs are that rampant but they do pop up from time to time um but it's like you know i had a chat log bug once where i was like oh my my chat log decided to auto filter itself down into just one chat group and i was confused why i wasn't seeing chat and i was like oh well that was random okay not game breaking but still like you know a little annoyance but imagine stepping back into the world and then having the ability to kind of experience it and then also be looking forward to the future. The problem is, is that with any MMO, you need marketing and you need the promise of a future for people to invest in it. The reason people don't think the game's going to make it is because after the fall, nobody knows what's going to come. And so uh, that's actually going to be the real test for AGS. Like if AGS does what like EA did with, with Anthem and pull the plug, like I don't care what their next game is. I don't care because it doesn't, because if they, it means that they struggle, they're going to, they're going to dip. And that's, that's not the message you want to send. But if Amazon does what they say they're doing, then I think essentially you're going to see a lot of people kind of have their position changed on AGS, what Amazon gaming is. And, uh, and from everything that I've been, I've been told and what I've seen, it's like they are, they're excited about it. They're very pleased with how the game is. Of course, they want it better. All the devs are working you know, their butts off to try and make it the best that they can. Um, I don't believe and buy into a lot of the, the narrative that surrounds it because I just think that you go and announce an expansion, you deliver on that expansion, and then you announce the, ne- the next expansion. So all of a sudden, all content creators are saying, holy crap, this expansion, wow, I'm having so much fun. And guess what? In a year, the next expansion's coming. We're gonna grind, we gotta get all this stuff, and, 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 you know, and then it's always in people's feeds. Yeah. Who knows? That, that's how I would run it that if, if I was in charge. <laughs> well i want to pick your brain about something else but we're gonna to have to save it for the after show because we don't want to go too long here we want to give time for the members only after show so if you're not a member consider becoming a member for five bucks guys smash the like button as well we would love to see 200 likes on this video we got really close to it we only need about 30 more while i'm getting the after show ready ginger tell them the best place to find you and your content uh, the best place you can find me right now is just Ginger Prime on YouTube. As I've been chatting in chat, you know, you can always just click on my name. And I don't know if I'm tagged in the description, but I always like the tag feature, etc. So you should uh, click that and uh, follow me. I like to cover uh, RPGs, MMOs, and you're probably going to see a lot of multiverses content for me as I like have just really enjoyed that game. So I'm going to be working on putting out some guides, doing the things that I like to do around content. Um, if you want more specific focus game stuff, I do have from the main channel. You can go find my New World content, my uh, Final Fantasy content, my Blue Protocol content. Um, I'm not going to do a, a channel for every MMO because there's no way I could play all of them. But ultimately, I just like to strike a good balance um, with that. So hopefully you check that out. And then I stream every uh, Friday night right now over on Twitch. So that's actually at the Work to Game channel. Work to Game. And uh, we uh, hang out in Discord and have a good old fun time uh, Friday nights. 
Well, also, uh, don't forget, guys, if you're members, if whatever your poison is, Friday nights we do, uh, tonight my wife has to go back into Elden Ring because we hit a nice milestone here before I went out of town, and then next week's community game night. So whatever your poison is on Friday nights, whether you're a member here, if you're not a member here, you can check out what Ginger's doing on Friday nights as well. We're here every Friday, so you might be listening to like the audio version. Maybe you're watching the VOD, and you're like, this was a great show. Here on Reforge Gaming, we do talk shows all throughout the week. And on Friday, it's a podcast with Ginger Prime and 30 and Still Gaming. So be sure to check out 30 and Still Gaming. He does that podcast every Thursday night. We actually pinged the Discord about it last night, uh, Generation X Gaming. So if evening streams are your thing on a Thursday around 8 o'clock, uh, you can catch Mike and his brother doing that show we are going to get ready to head to the after show so there'll be a link in chat and it will also redirect you it's just an opportunity to unwind with me and ginger for 30 minutes or so after the show is over i may stay on a little bit longer after that we only we only hold ginger till about four o'clock i may stay on a little bit longer wrap with the members talk about things that we've got planned cool things coming uh if any of you missed the sneak peek of the new coffee bags i might show them to you and uh so click the link in chat or you can ride the redirect and hey, if you clicked on this, it's the after show of the roundtable with me and my man, Ginger Prime. If you're watching this after show, it means you're a member. Thanks for supporting the channel. If you missed this live and you're like, I'm not getting notified what's going on, use the links in the description below on all my videos to get into the Discord. You'll never miss a, a single video if you're in the Discord. We always ping the Discord announcement room to let you know what's going on. We do members content all throughout the week. And Fridays, you get double the content. You get the after show. And you get the Friday night. I'm going to end the previous stream with the roundtable and bring everybody over to the live, the new live show, that is. Okay. Dropping those modes. I like it. Yeah. 